0: So yesterday is done, it is gone. No take backs, no go backs, no do-overs, no Groundhog Day-like scenarios where we get to repeat it over and over and over again until we get it just right. And tomorrow, tomorrow may never come. Even though, uh, I don't know about you, but I already have things on my calendar. I've already made promises. I have stuff to do, things to be written, places to go, people to see. There are absolutely no guarantees. And so like Pastor Trevor told us last week today, Today is all we have, it's all we're promised. That's it. And I love this idea, this idea that today is all we have, right? It's, it's carpe diem kind of stuff. It's, it's seize the day, it's dead poet society, Robin Williams, oh captain, my captain kind of stuff. At least that's, that's how it makes me feel. It's, you know, life is an orange, so squeeze it for all it's worth, get all the juice out, you know, suck the marrow out of the bone, make it count, motivational poster kind of stuff. The kind of stuff that inspires us, the kind of stuff that we put on posters, the kind of things that when we hear, we go home and we go home a little bit different. And for a day or two days, we act a little bit different. Because today, today is all we have. I love, I love that idea. As I was sitting over, over there uh, last Sunday and Pastor Trevor was preaching, I had a thought though. Um, I, 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 I mean, I, always when Pastor Trevor's preaching, I have I have thoughts. I feel like when you're listening to somebody, you know, you should you should think. Um, it's a good thing to do. Thinking, it's it's nice. And and I was thinking, you know, what if, what if I like legitimately believed in this idea? Not that like I, I mean, he's not here, so I don't want to call him a liar while well, he's not here to defend himself. He's not, right? But there's a difference when a, somebody like me or somebody like Pastor Trevor stands up in front of you and they say. Today's all you're promised. Tomorrow may never come and yesterday is gone. As opposed to when like a doctor comes up to you and a doctor says, listen, man, listen, all I can promise you is right now. Like that's it. Like that's all you got. I can't promise you tomorrow. Yesterday is gone. So you've got to make, you have to make this day, this day count, this, this week count, this month count. Here's how long you have. Like that's a very different thing. Not that when somebody like me says this, not that it's not true, it just hits you a little different. Like we all know on an intellectual level that this is true. None of us is promised tomorrow. But when you're staring face to face with the reality of today really is all that I have. And there is is proof. There are tests. There is something that says my clock has about ran out. I only had so many days on the spreadsheet and they're all almost gone. And so I started asking myself this question, what would I do if today was my last day? Like legitimately, I don't know if you've ever played played that game before. It's a little morbid. Um, You know, this may not be your idea of a great question on a Sunday morning. I'm sorry. But if today was legitimately your last day, or let's say somebody gave you a week and you knew you had seven days from this Sunday until next Sunday, what would you do? How would we actually spend it? And the thing that I love about this idea of all we have is today and and this question right here is when we actually get honest, when I actually got honest, it reveals what I really think and what I really believe and what I really value. My mom first started thinking about the things that I would eat. Uh, For me, it'd be fried chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, green beans. Like that is my, if I am eating and that's my last meal, that's, that's it. Like I wanna go out with that one. A Dr. Pepper, a nice cold Dr. Pepper, Reese's Fast Break. I don't know if they make those anymore, but in terms of candy bars, those, that, that's the tops. And then, you know, there's, you know, the, the people that you would want to go see and the experiences that you have, that's when it becomes like a bucket list type scenario, right? We all have these things that we want to do, these experiences, the things that we want to eat, the things that you want to taste for the last time, the things that you want to see for the last time. And as I was turning that question over in my head, There was another thought that came running in. As a Jesus follower, as Jesus followers, for those of you who are, we have a set of beliefs. And and those beliefs tell me that everyone will spend forever somewhere, myself included. And so this life, whether if today is my last day or I have a week, that's not actually it for me. It's not actually it for for anybody. We are actually technically immortal beings with bodies that are slightly disposable. But I believe that when I die, when this body is done, that it's gonna be put in the ground or cremated, we've not decided yet, but that my soul will go on. My, My soul will go on to be with Jesus in paradise. And that one day, someday, when Jesus finishes this part of the story, he comes back, he establishes his kingdom once for all and for good, this broken body will be made brand new. And I will, I will live in a world far more real than the one that I live in now, in a body far more real than the one that I possess now. And so for me, that, that, that thought started to change how I thought I would live my last day. It became less about the experiences that I wanted to have. And it became a little bit less about me. And it became a lot more about the people in my life that I love, that I know, that if today was their last day, their story wouldn't turn out like mine. Because everyone will live forever somewhere. So for me, I started thinking through the people that I needed to call and the people that I needed to talk to, the people that I needed to make sure that I shared my faith with that I haven't or the tough conversations that I needed to have. It became mission critical. And that's one of the reasons last week, in case you missed the message last week, I know I've been referencing it a lot. You should go check it out big time. It'll be the best thing you've done in 2021 so far, I promise you. So, why Pastor Trevor last week said that we are here to, meant to do good with today and to know what is good and not to do it, that, that is sin, that is wrong, that breaks and that hurts and that harms. As I started thinking about it, I started to think about my, my wife. And the, the silly, petty things that have kept us from having, you know, the marriage of the dream and, you know, the the stuff that I wish I would have said over and over again that maybe I haven't said enough or the things that I wish that we would have done and the relationship that I wish we would have and the things that I need to say today because today may be all that I have or then I'm a dad with three little girls, ultimate girl dad right here. And I started thinking about what are the what are the last things that I want them to have in their minds of their father? Like what are those legacy making type things that I wanna say and that I wanna do? Because that's how I want Want to live my last day is passing something on because i know that my last day here is not my last day ever it's just my last day in this part of the story now that's something that's unique as a jesus follower because if you're not and even if you are a jesus follower and you maybe would answer differently it comes from this place this idea that you know what i only live once And so I need to make this life count. And for some reason that I need to make this life count becomes incredibly self-centered and incredibly about me and the things that I want to experience and the things that I want to do and the places I want to go and the things that I want to see. So when it comes to living this very idealized version of the last day that I have in my mind, this idealized version of, of what I want to do with today, because whether or not the doctor tells me that I have X amount of days or not. All I know for certain is that today is all I have. All you know for certain is that today is all you have. There's these things, and we talked about them last week, that get in the way. They get in the way of of us making the most of today and really living that that better life that Jesus came to give us. And we talked about them briefly last week. They're these. The past and the future were put another way yesterday and tomorrow. The past and the future yesterday and tomorrow. And so I wanna spend my time talking about the one that trips me up the most. The one that for me, cause I can only speak from my experience. The one that for me has kept me from making the most of my today, even though today's all I have. And, and it's, it's, it's this, it's my yesterday. It's what happened in the past. It's really easy, I have found, as somebody who has been in, in a seat to give advice, and I'm sure you've been in a seat at some point to give advice, when someone comes to you with their sob story, right? And they tell you about what happened to them when they were a kid or in high school or last year or maybe even how they're dealing with the consequences of from it. Wait, wait right? as we say, that's in the past. You can't let that define who you are as a human being. And we say, we say things like this, right? Your failures don't define you. And we even put that on like a coffee mug because it sounds good and it feels good. Now I've heard, I've heard pastors and preachers and great speakers and communicators talk about this idea that you are not defined by your failure. Your failure is not you. And I, I, can, I, can, I can get, there's like an element of truth to that, right? I'm, I shouldn't be defined by my yesterdays. It's in the past and I can't change it. But to a degree, I feel like they kind of do, right? To, to a degree, like, okay, so I started like in ministry talking to kids. Like that was my job. They let me talk to kids. I don't know why. And, and then, and you know, and, and now I work primarily with, with, our, with our students here at the Creek. And one of the things that we teach all the time is that what you do in life is going to dictate where you go the path that you choose and you act down, it's going to decide what your future looks like. Not your intentions or your feelings, but what you actually do. And so so when we put that another way, we are the sum total of our choices. Where I am right now, I am where I am because of the decisions that I have made. The relationship that I have with my wife and with my children, I have because of what happened over the past, whatever many years. It's one thing to say, And it's easy to say that today is all we have, so make it count. But I live in the today that yesterday made. And you live in the today that yesterday made. All of us, no exceptions and no exemptions. The issues that you have that maybe nobody else knows about, you have those issues because of the choices that you made yesterday, because of the things that you were exposed to yesterday over the past couple of years and the ways that you responded to it. Your relationships that you have, your marriage that you have, you have because of the past few years. You have because of that thing you said last night that you know you should not have said, thus the Cold War this morning. The relationship you have with your children or the lack of a relationship with your children, the relationship you have with your parents, with your coworker, with your boss, your struggle, the addiction, whatever it is that you have in your life that you don't like. That thing about today that feels like it hurts, we have it because of yesterday, because of the choices and the decisions that we've made, and we've all made them. I may be up on a stage, but when it comes to this, the ground is incredibly, remarkably level. We've all made choices. We've all made decisions that have brought consequences into our todays. And now maybe today you're not feeling it. It's fine. But there has been a day when you have. There has been that day when the other shoe has dropped. When you, when you were, were in like that teenager who walked in, who walked in the house and there were your parents sitting at the table with all the contraband laid out at the table. And you walked in and instantly, you know, a reckoning has come. It was time to pay the piper. When you came home late and there was your wife just waiting for you. What you doing, honey? Where you been? Who you been with? Been tracking you on the, on the app. Uh-huh. There's a reckoning coming. There's consequences for the action. So, so what, do we, what do we do? What do we do when yesterday finally bleeds over to today and the consequences we are actually facing them? Because that's not, a, that, that, that's not a question specific to you and to me. You've asked it before. You might be asking it today. And if you don't fall into one of those two categories, you will ask it. It's not, it doesn't make us special. We've all, we've all been there. Two, two guys in the Bible, it was, it was their story. Well, it was like all of their stories except for Jesus, but two guys in particular that we're gonna talk about. And, and you probably don't know them by their names, that's okay. But, but history tells us that their names were Justice and Dismas. Justice and Dismas. We don't talk about them a lot, especially by their names. The point in, in the scriptures that we find their story is when their stories become intertwined with that of Jesus. And we find their story towards the end of the story of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus has already been arrested. He's been put on a mock trial and he's been passed from justice to justice, from power to power, because there were all these people trying to decide, what are we gonna do with this Jesus? The Pharisees wanted him dead, but the people in power knew that Jesus hadn't done anything worthy of death. And so then finally, a guy named Pontius Pilate, he was the governor over that area in Rome. He, he looked and he, he saw he had a crazy situation on his hands. If he didn't sentence Jesus to death, then the powers that be would rebel against him. But he, how could he put an innocent man to death? And so he, 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 one day when he was in front of the law, he said, I wash my hands of this, but I will give you what you want. And he sentenced Jesus to crucifixion. And so we're gonna pick up the story in the book of Luke and it goes like this, two other men. Both criminals were also let out with Jesus to be executed. These are our guys. You know them better as the thieves on the cross, the criminals that that flanked Jesus, one on the left and and one on the right. And the thing about criminals is the thing about all of us. When we go to do wrong, none of us think we're gonna get caught. That would make us very bad at being bad. That would make you very bad at being a criminal. When you go to steal something, you're going to do it in a way to where, you don't, where you're not going to get caught. When we go and we do the things that we know are wrong to do, we're going to do it in a way to where we're not going to get caught. Or we're going to do it when, when we believe the lie or the voice in our head that says, if you just do it this once, there's not going to be any consequences. There's a pass. Somehow, some way you can do this and no one gets hurt. Have you heard that one before? Have you told yourself that one before? Like you can do this and it's a complete and total pass. It's okay. You can go there. There are no consequences from that. Yeah, I know what, what people have told you. I know you think it's wrong, but I promise there's no consequences for it. Or if there are consequences, how's this one for you? If there are consequences, you can take it and it's worth it the consequences won't be so bad. And so we do it. You cross the threshold. You take the thing. You do the thing that you know that is wrong to do, thinking that if you get caught, you can bear the consequences. And then when we do get caught, and all of a sudden we face the consequences, it's, oh, whoa, is me. This is terrible. I had no idea. If I had known that it was going to be this awful, I never would have gone or done this. And the reason why that is And the two thieves experienced it is because of this right here, because sin, all sin has a gotcha. All sin, no exceptions, no exemptions. All sin has a gotcha. All sin has a string attached. It'll always take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you are ever willing to pay. All sin has a gotcha. Anytime we go against what we know is right and what we know is best, there's going to be a gotcha. There's going to be a reckoning. There will be consequences. And that's what these two thieves, that's what they learned when they were crucified on the left and the right of Jesus. And crucifixion was the cruelest and most barbarous, barbaric form of punishment that the Romans could come up with. It was reserved for the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst. And it wasn't a dignified death either which is what makes what Luke records next even a little more stinging when you start to think about it. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And Jesus is surrounded by, by these, these people who had wanted him dead, his family, his mother, his friends, all these people, the Romans, they're all around him. And he's hanging on a wooden cross, slowly dying from asphyxiation, bleeding out. And the cross is not a dignified death. There were no halos. There was no shining beams. There were no doves. There was no hallelujah chorus. There was no angel. There was no Lord cloth he was there miserable humiliated naked dying bleeding beaten disfigured in pain crying weeping and there were these people watching him and mocking him and making fun of him even though they knew he was innocent even though they knew that he had done nothing they looked at him and he said come on big guy you rose Lazarus from the dead what you got Come on, you claim that there could be legions of angels that came, where's the the angels, Jesus? Where are they at? And then to add insult to injury, the soldiers came up after that and they mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Because there was a written notice above him, which read, this, this is the king of the Jews. Because Pontius Pilate, when he crucified Jesus, he knew he was innocent. And he knew that he was giving in to the wrong voices and the wrong people, but he decided to use it to make a point. And so he put this sign up up above Jesus' head on the cross that read, King of the Jews, so that when the Jews saw it, they would be ashamed and that they too would feel defeated. And so even the Romans were mocking Jesus. And then, in the Gospel of Matthew, he's gonna record that those two groups weren't alone. In the same way, the rebels, who were crucified with him, also heaped insults on him." Can you imagine that? I I'm, no, we can't. You're sentenced to death alongside somebody else and you're guilty. And you're gonna use your last breath, your last strength to insult an innocent man in the middle. And, and it's not like it was just some, some easy thing, a distraction. In order to speak, you literally had to lift yourself up. There were nails driven through the hands and nails driven through the feet. And in order for them to speak, they had to pick themselves up and push up on the nails that were driven deep into them in order so they could actually get some breath so they could then slowly say the words. Through all of this, we know that Jesus Jesus wasn't silent. Not that he raised a word to defend himself or to protect himself or to summon the angels like he said he could, he didn't do that. No, Jesus Jesus taught the disciples that we could overcome and we could withstand so many of the awful things that life would throw our way if we would just abide in him. And abiding in God and abiding with him looks a lot like prayer and constantly praying. So through this all, what we know is that that Jesus Jesus is praying through all of it. Paul, he's going to take this teaching of Jesus later on and he's going to say it like this. He's going to teach us to pray without ceasing at all times and through all things. And see, Jesus, he's not like you and me. Because if it were me, I would be praying, God, please let this stop. God, please send the angels. God, please just let this, let this be enough. Like, I, I, like let, this, let this be done. Let these people go away. Let them be quiet. Shut their mouths. Like, that's the kind of prayer that I would be praying. That's the kind of prayer that you would be praying. But that's not what Jesus was here to do. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man sent to earth with a mission. And that mission was to wipe the past away. And that mission was to bring forgiveness. And that mission was to bring grace. And that cost... See, Jesus came as a sacrificial lamb to die in our place, but he also came as our high priest to intercede to God for us. So the moment the nails were driven into his hands and into his feet on that rugged piece of wood and the cross was lifted up and dropped into the hole and the blood started flowing, Jesus, our high priest, started praying. He started praying for you and he started praying for me and he started praying for the Romans and for the Jews and for the people that he saw. And then finally... He decided that he was gonna let us know exactly what he was saying, exactly what he was thinking, exactly what he was praying. And so he used what strength he had to lift himself up using uh, on on the nail so he could draw a breath, so he could say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And after he said it, one of the criminals who hung there next to him. He took the opportunity to use what little strength he had to say, aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you God? Save yourself and us. Here he is. This man is facing the consequences of his actions. He deserved to be there. And now he was looking at the man who was claiming to be God. He was looking at Jesus who was God. And he was saying, I am here. Why don't you fix this? Where are you? I think a situation that I, I know I've been, and when I've messed up and I've made mistakes and I was facing my consequences, I would look at God and say, how could you? Why won't you save me? Get me out of this. And that's exactly what this man was doing. He was dying, he was hurting, and he was angry. He was angry at God. He was angry at the people. He was angry at everybody except for the one that he should be, the one who had got himself on a cross. And that was him and his actions and his yesterday. But the other criminal, The other criminal rebuked him and using what little strength he had, he said, don't you fear God. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. He is innocent. And then something happened. Something clicked for this thief on the cross. As he looked at and heard This man in the middle is Jesus. It dawned on him, not only was this just some extraordinary guy who apparently had the capacity to forgive like crazy, but this extraordinary guy who had the capacity to forgive like crazy wasn't just a guy, but he really was who he said he was. And then that thief, with what strength he had, said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. What I love about this is this man, he's a thief. He's filled with shame. He's facing the consequences of his actions. He's made the mistakes, he's lived the life. And here he is trying to talk to God, trying to talk to Jesus. While Jesus is, he's busy. When I was a kid growing up and I don't even know where I heard it. I grew up with this idea that somehow God didn't hear the prayers of sinners. You ever hear that before? You ever felt that way? Like, I've messed up too much. Surely God's not gonna hear me. You prayed and you prayed and you prayed and it's just felt like your prayers reach the ceiling and they don't go any further. And surely it's because I'm just not, not good enough. I'm not in the right place. I've gone too far. I've gone too far this way. Surely God's not gonna hear a sinner like me. God doesn't hear the prayer of sinners. But the thing is, there's no other kind. Of course He does. The only kind of prayers are the prayers from sinners. People like you and people like me who all have yesterdays. And the amazing thing is when sinners pray, God hears. And when sinners pray and they call out to God, God answers and Jesus answered him. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me. Not on a cross, not on a mountainside, not just facing the consequences of your actions, you will be with me in paradise deathbed conversion if there ever was one. Jesus offered that thief something, something that we all want and something that we all need, grace, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. When we were teenagers and we walked in and we saw the contraband, it's what we prayed our parents would have. When you came home late and they were up waiting your wife, your husband, or maybe your kids were up waiting for you. It's the thing you prayed that they had. When you dropped the ball at work and the boss was sitting in front of you calling you on the carpet, it's the thing you prayed that the boss had was grace. That, that even though you didn't deserve it, even though you had messed up, that they wouldn't hold your feet to the fire, that there would be forgiveness, even though you didn't deserve it. Grace. Nothing that we can ever do can earn it even though we try we try to be good enough to get God's attention we try to be good enough to earn God's acceptance but when we do that it's a lot like throwing yourself your own surprise party it doesn't work and grace is the thing that we all need today without exception without exemption because sin has a gotcha and we're all living in the gotcha and we're all feeling the gotcha. Paul would look back at this whole thing later on. And he he would write about it. And he, he, would, he would say it like this in his letter to some Jesus followers in the city of Rome. He would say, for all. What's this word? All funny thing about the word all. It means all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. From the ones who look the squeakiest and the cleanest to the church lady and the church guy to the ones who seem like the worst of the worst. We have all sinned. We have all taken the bait. We have all experienced the gotcha. Some of us are better at hiding it than others, but Paul's point is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The ground is level here and we are all facing the consequences of it. And the consequences are real, just like the thief experienced on the cross. And the consequences are eternal. And left to our own devices, we'll take very real consequences and we'll play them over and over and over again in our heads. And we'll remember our worst moments and we'll make ourselves pay over and over and over again. And we'll let yesterday bleed into today and impact our tomorrows and rob us of a better life. Not only eternal life. But Paul doesn't stop there. All have sinned, all have fallen short and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And I love this word justified. What it means is God looks at us and he says, you are not that thing. Your failure, it does not define you. When I look at you, that is not who you are. As a matter of fact, when I look at you, I see what my son did. When I look at you, I see Jesus. Jesus, the one who everybody's a big fan of because Jesus did no wrong. God says, that is what I see. Old timey preachers used to say, it's just as if I'd never sinned, but it's better than that. Because when God looks at you and when God looks at me, he's not playing pretend. He's not acting like you've never sinned. Because when he looks at you, that's what he sees. He sees better. He sees who you could be. He sees who you are. And he says, you are justified. You are forgiven. And when I see you, I see the goodness and the love and the grace that my son bought for you on that old rugged cross with the blood and with the body, with the shame and with the pain and with the tears. That's what Jesus did for you. So you don't have to be defined by your yesterdays. And God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement to pay the price for for us, to pay the price for those consequences through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Belief. Belief that Jesus came, that he lived, that he died and that he rose from the grave so we don't have to be defined by our tomorrows, that we don't have to be defined by our worst moment, but by Jesus's moment. And he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just in the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Not just for the thief on the cross. Jesus didn't do it just for them. Not just for those church people that you see. Not just for the ones who come every single Sunday that you think are on this super spiritual plane and you're here. Not just for that pastor not, not just for that Christian, but for you and for today, for the present time, for now, because we all need grace. And we all need grace today. And you, there is grace for you today, regardless of where you've been and regardless of what you've done, regardless of the consequences that you're facing. And yes, just like the thief, you may have to face down that consequence, but you're not gonna have to do it alone. And on the other side of that consequence is better. And on the other side of that consequence is eternal. You don't have to live defined by yesterday. You don't have to live defined by the mistake that you made. You don't have to live defined by that there is better for you, there is forgiveness for you, there is grace for you. And at the foot of the cross, there is no justice for you, only grace because Jesus paid the price for you. So you do not have to pay. And you're right, it's not fair. Life like grace isn't fair. It's better than fair. Now you don't have to get what you deserve. You can have what Jesus bought for you. You can receive that gift and it's so much better than anything you've ever imagined. It's freedom, it's hope, it's life, it's light. And it's for you today. Let me pray for us. God, you came so that we wouldn't have to be defined by our worst moments by yesterday you came so that we we could have today you came so that we could have this moment and this time, you came so that we could have grace and not just grace in a pastor, grace in a song but real grace, real forgiveness unmerited favor from you regardless of where we've been, regardless of what we've done you offer us a better life all we have to do is believe all we have to do is believe you is follow you have faith in you. God, just, it's so simple. And Jesus, you made it possible by what you did and by what you gave. And that sacrifice, God, it, it is never in vain what you purchased by your body and by your blood. We thank you. In your son's name, In your name. Mercies are new every morning. So maybe you're here today and you've never actually taken that step of believing in Jesus. For whatever reason. Maybe it's because you thought that your tally card was too high and you've gone too far and you've made too many mistakes and you've written yourself off. And you're facing the consequences of your decisions just like that thief on the cross, and, and and you say it's too late for you. No. There is grace for you today. Maybe there's something that you've been struggling with in your life and you've not told anybody and it's a secret sin that you've carried around with you for a long time. There is grace for you today. And maybe you've been pretending and play acting and following Jesus, but if if you were honest, there's not been a whole lot of following going on. There is grace for you today. You have not gone too far. You cannot go too far because you are not stronger than what Jesus did on the cross for you. And all you have to do is believe because today is a new day. And what Jesus did on the cross means that what happened yesterday your day, it's gonna stay there. And on the other side of what you're facing is Jesus and better and eternal life. If everyone would, for a moment, bow your heads and close your eyes. Today, if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus and to become a Christian, to, to, to receive that grace by faith. Here's what I wanna ask you to do. I just want you to raise your hand. We're not gonna ask you to do anything embarrassing or stand up or anything like that. Just put your hand up in the air to say, that's me. Today, I wanna become a Christian. I see your hand. I want to follow Jesus. I want that grace today. I see your hand. Anybody else? Just put your hand up in the air. All right. For those of you who put your hand up in the air, or maybe you didn't because you didn't believe me. You thought you were gonna get hoodwinked, but you wanted to. Just look up at me. Look up at me, nobody else is looking around, nobody's taking names, no one's one's gonna say anything to you, just look up at me. The decision you've made today is the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. And today is the beginning, not just of eternal life, but of better life. And, And we wanna celebrate that with you and we wanna help you not just experience a moment now, but to experience that better life that Jesus died to give you. So let us know what you did, let us know. Uh, I'll I'll be hanging out up at the front with my mask on if you wanna come talk to me afterwards, or you can go to ifollowedjesus.com and let us know. Uh, You can do that now, you can do that on your way out, you can do that at lunch today, or if, if you're joining us online, they'll drop a link for you to follow to do that as well if you made that decision. But make sure you let us know because there is more to following Jesus than this moment. There is more to following Jesus than this one service, and it is great and it is better, and we don't want you to miss out on that. Let me pray for us one more time before we go. God, we thank you for those who have decided to place their faith in you today. And God, we celebrate, we celebrate with you. God, because of what you did, they are made new and they are made whole. God, because of what you did, they will have better life and eternal life. And so God, we celebrate that and we thank you for what you did. God, we thank you for the mercy that you show us every day because God, I still have a yesterday. It was yesterday and I'm dealing with that, but God, your mercy is new today. And it is a fresh start because of your grace and because of what you've done. So God, help me to make the most of it. Help us help your people to make the most of it. Cause it's all we have. In your son's name of Jesus, amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Those of you online, thank you for joining us online. If there's anything that you need, maybe, maybe there's something in your story that you need to talk about. Maybe there's some stuff in your past that you would like to discuss with a pastor or a counselor, or maybe, for you, you wanna join a team or or you decided to follow Jesus or you're interested in baptism, any of the things, we wanna help you take that step. We wanna help you experience that better life that Jesus came to give you. And and you can reach out to us by going to thecreekchurch.com and filling out that form at Next Steps to let us know exactly what you're needing and we will get in touch with you ASAP to help you do that. Thank you guys so much. It's been a terrific Sunday. We can't wait to see you back here next week. Lord willing.